Uh, this is his statement. I've met with MFD Fire Chief Aaron Lipsky. I am 100% confident that there will be standard operating procedure updates for private ambulance companies, changes that will strengthen protocols to reduce the chance of this type of incident reoccurring. Good. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. 611 on Wisconsin's Morning News this Thursday morning. It has become clearer, despite what was said in the news conference the other day, that the EMS system did not work as designed. Because it didn't do anything wrong. Um, the EMS system here worked as designed. It did not. And combining reporting here, Eric, from TMJ4 News, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, who obtained surveillance video from the night 49-year-old Jolene Waldriff died. According to the medical examiner's office, appears to have died of hypothermia. She froze to death at a bus stop last month. I've watched the video. And it is clear that mistakes must have been made. And if they were not violations of protocol for emergency calls, then the protocol needs to change. Something needs to be switched, yes. Because this did not look right. Waldriff called 911, and in the video you can see she sits down on the sidewalk, did not appear to fall on ice as was originally suggested, sits down on the sidewalk on a bitterly cold evening on her way home from work trying to catch the bus. Again, didn't appear, I didn't see a fall anywhere. We originally said, oh, she slipped and fell on ice and hit her head on a fit. Like, that doesn't appear to happen in this surveillance video. And at this point, she may even be lying down. When that Curtis ambulance dispatched to the scene gives two very cursory drive-bys through the intersection of 76 and Congress. Ambulance crew drove right by the corner where she was lying on the sidewalk at the time. Did not appear to be behind a snowbank, as was suggested. The crew didn't see her, nonetheless. They did stop. She's not, not even in frame of the street corner in this video. But the crew did call a couple of times, messages they, you know, both calls went to voicemail and they left. You can't check behind every snowbank. You can't check behind every walk down alleys, walk in the Walgreens that's there at the corner. I'm, whenever. You do the best you can. That is the president of the ambulance company, Jim Baker. He was defending his mm-hmm. crew at a news conference. I'll grant him some room here, Ian. We talked about this. EMS is a tough job. We celebrate these caregivers and these first responders, rightly so, as heroes in our community. Baker says they get 300 calls a day. Yep, a lot of false alarms, too. And many of them, right, turn out to be nothings. And how long do you want a crew to remain on scene when it doesn't appear that there's anyone there that needs their services? But the video simply does not support the claim that Mrs. Waldriff was obscured by a snowbank or was even particularly difficult to see with any effort. And we know this because the person who came to her aid minutes later and apparently called 911 again, which prompted a second mm-hmm. EMS response from Milwaukee Fire. Yep. That person saw her, well, just making a left-hand turn in traffic. This is just a guy who's not on the job, not looking for a victim who's reportedly at the bus stop, just driving around, and saw the woman lying there on the street or on the sidewalk, got out to help. Milwaukee Alderman Mark Borkowski, who chairs the City Ambulance Service Board, talking with TMJ4 News. I took issue with some of the uh, statements like, we can't look at every snowbank. That, that's not what a family wants to hear, okay? And I just think that you make the effort to drive over to that intersection, what does it take to get out and look around? Or even slow down enough for a good look. Well, I mean, if, if someone else could see it from their vehicle, that's the concerning aspect to all of this. It's not even about slowing down. or If someone else 
nonchalantly caught sight of her, how could they not have? Must have been visible, particularly if you were really looking for Alderman Alderman Lamont Westmoreland. That's his district. Uh, This is his statement. I've met with MFD Fire Chief Aaron Lipsky. I am 100 percent confident that there will be standard operating procedure updates for private ambulance companies, changes that will strengthen protocols to reduce the chance of this type of incident reoccurring. Good. There should be changes. 6.15. Brandon Snyde is up next with sports. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Marky Bucks season-long five-game West Trope continued on with a pit stop in Portland on Wednesday night. Damian Lillard returning to the team he played for over a decade for, but the Trailblazers decided to spoil his return, beating the Bucks by a final of 119 to 116. Simons puts up the runner, gets it to go. Portland's back ahead by one with 17.6 seconds to go now in the fourth. Dave Kane on the call right here on WTMJ as the Bucks drop their second game in a row on the road. Giannis led the way with for Milwaukee with 27 points, and Lillard, back in familiar territory, finished with 25. He spoke after the game on returning to Portland. More than anything, it was just kind of draining everything around it and what it was. I ain't going to say I'm happy that it's over, but I'm just like, you know, just dealing with everything that came with it. I've been asked a million times, like, what is it like being back in Portland and how do you feel and all of this stuff? But I've really enjoyed being back, but just the whole spectacle of it is just, you know, just a little bit draining. Bucks with last night's loss now sitting at 32 and 16. Next up, they'll be in Dallas on Saturday night. Over to the NFL, as the Green Bay Packers have officially hired Jeff Halfley as the team's next defensive coordinator. Halfley last served as the head coach at Boston College for the past four seasons. The Eagles were both eligible during three of Halfley's four years at the helm there. ESPN's Pete Thamel on the decision for Halfley to leave and head back to the NFL. For Halfley, sources told ESPN that the move came down to a desire to just coach football again. His move is a bit of an indictment on college coaching right now, which is so driven by fundraising and NIL that it eliminates, in many ways, the actual football coaching for the college head coaches. Packers general manager Brian Gutekinds expected to host his end-of-the-season press conference later today. I would imagine Halfley will be at the top of the discussion there for the Packers general manager. And lastly, we'll head over to College Hoops, where the sixth-ranked Wisconsin Badgers are back to work tonight in Nebraska to take on the Huskers. The game head coach, Greg Gard, knows won't be an easy one. You go all the way back to when they first joined the league. We went there in 2014 on no-sit Sunday or whatever they called it. So I don't know what Thursday will be. I have some ideas, but you probably can't print them. You know, it's just, you know, they support it. They pack it in. You know, and their teams have played well. You know, Tim had a really good team back that in, in 2014. In fact, that was the last time we lost before we, well, in the Big Ten tournament, before that group made a run to the Final Four. Badgers, Huskers tipping off tonight at 7.30. A little bit easier to stay up for that game, Vincent. Yeah. 9 p.m. tip More off palatable tip time. the uh, Bucks game. Coming up, an extraordinary day on Capitol Hill in the realm of the digital world. How China is coming for our infrastructure and how lawmakers say social media is coming for your kids. That's next. A couple of different hearings on Capitol Hill, which normally, if you start out that way, doesn't sound very sexy. But there was some amazing testimony before lawmakers yesterday that impacts all of us. At one point, the head of Meta, which runs Facebook and Instagram, stood up and apologized to the room. That story in a minute. But first, let's go cybersecurity. PRC hackers are targeting our critical infrastructure, our water treatment plants, 
our electrical grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation systems, and the risk that poses to every American requires our attention now. Christopher Ray with now. the FBI, yes, uh, discussing the concern of our infrastructure, our cybersecurity, our vulnerabilities, especially as it pertains to China and what China could do. They say they are dealing with this all the time. John Kirby, a national security spokesperson, says, yeah, we're continuing to monitor always. This is uh, something we're mon- we monitor very closely all the time, and we take all these threats seriously. You have to. Yeah. What stood out there, there, Eric, is when you hear oh, Chinese hackers, whatever, you think they're going to hack a website or they're going to mess with your streaming service or something like that. We're talking about how we get water. Right. Yes. How we get electricity. Mm-hmm. Like basic infrastructure. Moving on now to social media. Huge hearing. CEOs of TikTok, Snap, Meta, X, Discord testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Lawmakers and families say social media executives are failing to protect children from sexual exploitation bullying and other issues online and they went through this uh, ran the gamut today what do you expect you know so many children are dying on their platforms and they don't fix it they're obviously heartless profiteers that is sam chapman who lost a son to uh suicide from dealing with this kind of stuff actually i think his son i apologize overdosed on fentanyl but again they're they're what they were able to learn and and pick up on through the social media sites is what they blamed it on the issue really is 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 you want every consumer, whether it's a kid or not, on your site for as much as you possibly can, and you have shareholders to respond to and whatnot. So all of these apps are trying to get you on their site for as long as they possibly can. That doesn't mean they're allowing or they want to necessarily have nefarious action like sexual predators get on there or things like that, but that does tend to happen when you have these types of sites. So they're trying to figure out how to fix that. Lindsey Graham unhappy with what has led to many children taking their own lives due to the bullying and mental health issues of these sites. You and the companies before us, I know you don't mean it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. You have a product. You have a product that's killing people. When we had cigarettes killing people, we did something about it, maybe not enough. You're going to talk about guns, we have the ATF. Nothing here. There's not a damn thing anybody can do about it. You can't be sued. So, yeah, you can't be sued. So, and that's written in some of the laws already. So they want to change some of that. One of the uh, bipartisan plans that are, is getting momentum, it's the Child Online Safety Act. Um, but there's a lot of issues with this you know, when it comes to privacy implications, censorship implications. But they want to find a way to tighten up what access children have to these sites so they're not getting themselves into trouble. You want to hear quickly from uh, Senator Holly from Missouri, forcing Mark Zuckerberg to apologize. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. A lot of victims. Would you like to apologize there. for what you've done to these good people? And he did. He stood up. He's off mic there. Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Meta, standing up and apologizing to the victims, families, victims who have taken their own lives, who are overdosed, who are hurt in some way from what happened using the websites. No matter the topic, there's always an element of grandstanding 
when lawmakers oh, hold sure. these hearings, yeah. and they love to bring people before them so that they can get the soundbite and shame, shame, yep, shame yep. this person, whether it's big oil or big pharma or big tech, social media. So there is that, but it's not necessarily, you can't necessarily say their message isn't correct here. Agreed. The one last thing I'd point out, though, is don't assume that some law is going to fix everything. The onus is on us. The onus is on us to make sure our kids are not getting themselves into trouble. So Doc Rivers 0-2 at the helm of the Milwaukee Bucks. Brandon Snyder has sports at 645. If you haven't seen the video yet, you will. A teenage snowboarder in the hospital recovering this morning after falling from a chairlift. This happened at Mammoth Mountain Ski Area in California last weekend. Harrowing video shows a 16-year-old dangling from a chairlift at a ski resort in California after apparently slipping on the chair. Other lift riders clinging onto her, desperately waiting for help to arrive. Workers at Mammoth Mountain then setting up a net beneath her. The girl plunging through that net, slamming to the ground. She was later taken to the hospital. The frightening fall, just the latest scare at a ski resort. Just last week at Heavenly Mountain Resort near Lake Tahoe, a woman spent 15 hours trapped inside a gondola, hanging in the air all night, enduring freezing temperatures. That almost sounds worse to me. I think I'd rather drop into a net from a ski lift than... And spend the night. But that's the kicker. He didn't drop into the net. She didn't drop into the net. She went straight through. Dropped through the the net. Yeah. Well, you're right. You're right. I don't know if they necessarily did that correctly. (laughs) Clearly not. Not a big skier. One time I tried it, Rib Mountain, like, I'm on the ski lift. There's no bar here? There's no... No, no, because you got to be able to get off the thing at the top. I guess. 638 Wisconsin's Morning News. Everyday Heroes. We do it every Thursday. We highlight a hero presented by Azura Memory Care and Assisted Living, transforming the culture of care, Azura Memory Care. So this is Vince when we celebrate the average John or Jane Doe who had no idea when they got up that morning they'd be saving a life later that day. Maybe it's one of those net holders from the ski lift. Yeah, well, they didn't do a very good job. (laughs) I guess not. (laughs) We head to Southern California. We're San Diego County. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Major flooding this past week from some heavy storms, and another storm is actually brewing there where they might get flooded out again. Heavy yeah, rain and storms. is a bad thing in yes, California. Just awful. In some instances, the floodwaters rising so quickly last week, people were caught off guard in some neighborhoods. That's where spear fisherman Jesse Preciato comes in. Jesse, last week, heard that his neighborhood was beginning to flood, got home quick, put on the old wetsuit, waded out in the floodwaters, which were rising, by the way, and he started going to homes in the neighborhood where he knew some elderly folks lived who may need some help. He tells NBC7 in San Diego about how he went to his friend's father's home. I opened the door, and when I opened the door, I seen him standing on top of the table, and he had water up to his neck, and he says that he was already cramped up. So he was scared. He didn't know how to swim, and I pretty much just grabbed him, and I pulled him out. Yeah, pulled him out, got him to a safe place. Not knowing how to swim shouldn't really be an issue when you're in your own house. When you're in your kitchen. Yikes. Uh, In another neighborhood, Samuel Esquivel knew that he had to save his grandmother who was trapped in a home that was flooding. What did he do? He jumped on his jet ski. My grandma crying on the phone, my mom crying on the phone. They're saying that she couldn't get out. Come over here, I get stopped halfway here to save someone else. By the way, real quick, he got stopped halfway to the grandma's house and saved someone else. That's what he said. <laughs> Meanwhile, real quick once. <laughs> I see four firefighters and my uncle is trying to open up the door. They couldn't do that. So I ended up hopping off the jet ski, trying to open the window. We got my grandma. 
Yeah, he did. Also, I took a jet ski over to Grandma's. Right, and there's video of him tooling around in this thing, and she's on the back holding her cat, bringing her to safety. Kudos to Samuel and to Jesse, who, by the way, Jesse, the guy in the wetsuit, jumped on a kayak, somebody's kayak, and went to where the drain would be, the storm drain. He felt around with debris he found floating in the floodwaters, like plywood and stuff, and cleared the drain. Look at this guy. The floodwaters this guy's down. Batman. Yeah, Batman. Or Aquaman. In San Diego County, one of those two. Everyday Heroes presented by Azura Memory Care and Assisted Living, transforming the culture of care, Azura Memory Care. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Green Bay Packers have hired Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley as their new defensive coordinator. That was announced by the team Wednesday night. Halfley comes to the Packers after working as the head coach for Boston College for the past four seasons. The Milwaukee Bucks dropped their second straight loss on Wednesday, this one in Portland by a final of 119-116. to 116. Giannis led the way for Milwaukee with 27 points, and Lillard added 25, but the loss drops the Bucks down to a record of 32-16. and 16. And lastly, over to college troops, behind 35 points, Iowa superstar Caitlin Clark adding to her collection of milestones Wednesday night at Northwestern, moving her into second place on the NCAA women's all-time scoring list. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. The offseason in Green Bay is off and running as the Packers have officially made the hiring of Jeff Halfley to become the team's next defensive coordinator. Probably like you, last night I too was surprised by the move. Halfley has served as the head coach for Boston College over the past four seasons and was never named as someone who was taking on an interview with Green Bay when so many other names were being leaked over the past week or so. On the surface, the hiring is somewhat of a really bold move by head coach Matt LaFleur, who now, in my opinion, just put his chips in the middle of the table in regard to his coaching career in Green Bay. Simply put, this has to work out. There is no in-between here. Halfley will come in as the third defensive coordinator for LaFleur in the past five seasons. And at some point, if let's say this doesn't pan out, people are going to begin or maybe have already started at pointing the finger at the inability of head coach Matt LaFleur to hire the right assistants. Mo Drayton, Joe Barry, Rich Bisaccia, just a few names that LaFleur brought in to make changes, and all have not gone according to plan. This hiring, whoever it was going to be, was going to be met with a ton of pressure and expectations. The Packers are just starting to realize their potential, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and they cannot afford to once again not have some resemblance of a respectable defense. The mounting pressure, in my opinion, begins and ends with LaFleur. This team's future is now. The general manager has proven to be able to build a team in a quick time. The franchise quarterback is clearly been determined. Money and draft picks have been spent on the defensive side of the ball for so many years, and that unit, just simply put, cannot be the issue anymore. This gamble by LaFleur will certainly be one that will dictate his coaching legacy in Titletown. Six fifty one on Wisconsin's morning news. Bringing our friend from ESPN Wisconsin, Jen Lada. Good morning, guys. What's, what's happening over there? Big news. You Packers big news? hiring a defensive coordinator and Jeff Halfley. We were just going through our production meeting for Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. We have Pete Thamel coming on the show at seven forty five. Pete, the college football insider at ESPN, who broke the story yesterday, and this makes sense because. 
Pete's space is college football. And Halfley is coming from Boston College, college football. And I think that Halfley is going to be the start of a very significant run, and I'm sure you guys agree, of guys going from the college game to the pro game because, get this, it's easier. It's easier now to be a coach or a coordinator in the NFL than it is to be a head coach at a Division One college program. Oh, no doubt. Right? Is that well, is that because of recruiting and the fact Too that Too many visits to living rooms all over the country. And NIL is a NIL. big part of it. Yeah, it's not just going out and recruiting new players. It's retaining the players you have because you got a guy who has a good season and you want to start building your unit around that guy. What's to stop another program who sees that talent, wants that talent from coming in, dropping a big old bag of money in that kid's lap and saying, come to our school. So now the coaches can't focus on recruiting the next class. They're focused on keeping the guys they've already recruited this last season or the season before. And I think Halfley said in a recent interview that it's become exhausting. And like his reason for being in the college football space was that he wanted to impact and influence young men. And he has found that that's happening less and less and less. You don't have the bandwidth to be able to develop those talents, to build the relationships. You know, the, the what do they always tell you? The, I'm the something of men, the maker of men, or the, you know. The leader of men. Leader of yes, men I'm is the exactly, leader of men. Yes. There's well, less of that happening at the college football level. And for that college football landscape, if you look at, you know, so he's coming from Boston College, which is what a mid-tier school. They have a good program. And they have an opportunity to finish with a winning record every year. Bowl but they're, eligible. He's right. been bowl eligible but, for the but last But they're not years. Alabama. They're not LSU. They're not Michigan. They're not these other things. So for these mid-level programs that are trying to grow and get better, how are they even going to survive if once their guys get good, they jump Gone. ship for a better program? Yeah, it's really a tough spot to be in right now. I know. I know how they can do it. Beanbags. Ping pong tables. The same stuff businesses use to recruit <laughs> yes, young talent. Yes. Right? The slide that Clemson has from the second floor down to sure. the first one. I mean, Things when that like happened, that. that was like novel, right? That was the thing that was like, <laughs> look at how cool we are. We have a slide. It's fat. And actually, it was. They did studies on it. From an efficiency standpoint, it was much faster to use the slide to go down. And, you know, they're counting minutes <laughs> right? at the college okay, football yeah, game. Right. It's so regimented and scheduled. So, so why wasn't this dude on anybody's radar for the Green Bay Packers? So it's funny that you say that. I was listening to a podcast that he did last week with Adam Brenneman, who I think works for the Big Ten Network. And in the middle of the interview, he talks about his time in the NFL. He was with San Francisco. He was with the Browns and how he worked with Mike McDaniel, Dolphins head coach, Robert Sala, Jets head coach, Mm -hmm. Kevin O'Connell, Vikings head coach, Kyle Shanahan. We don't talk about that team anymore, at least (laughs) for the rest of this season. But the point is, we should have seen this coming, right? If we had had a Kerry Matheson board with the pins and the strings, we might have landed on Jeff Halfley because this is the space that Matt LaFleur has existed in. Some of these people are his buddies. Certainly some are his mentors. And Halfley is kind of right there in the middle. Kaiser Sose-esque. We should have seen (laughs) this coming, is my point. You know what I mean? Like, we should have seen it coming. What are you talking about, Kaiser Sose? (laughs) Great drop. Hey, we were talking about something earlier, if we could bother you for it, yeah. as, as a parent. There's huge testimony on Capitol Hill yesterday, and they trotted out, lawmakers trotted out these CEOs from the social media companies and shamed them, and then asked them to shame themselves in addition. And they're begging these social media companies to make it harder for young people to stay on their platforms forever and ever and to be exposed to tough content on their platforms how do you manage that in your house with your young ones? I mean, uh, 
I wish I wish I could tell you like we've got a great method at home. Right now the method is seeing the kid on the couch. Hey, obviously on the phone. Hey. How long you been on that phone? <laughs> right? That's that's our method. It's not great, but at least we're checking in. Yep. No, it's really hard. I was talking to Chase last night. Chase is our 15-year-old. He's a freshman at Homestead and you know, he is at school for those eight hours, not supposed to have their phones on them. But every once in a while, he and I will exchange a text about, hey, who's picking you up from basketball? So I know he is on his phone occasionally. But it's yeah, the scrolling are. and the scrolling and the scrolling yep. and the scrolling. And when you see their eyes glaze over because they're not even actually taking in what they're looking at. It's just literally to pass the time. We say, hey, put your phone down. Um, he's not allowed to have his phone in his room at night. So when he goes to yeah, bed at 930, he's supposed to put it in another room, plug it in the other room. We got him a digital alarm clock because that was the excuse, right? Like, oh, right, I need yeah. it for my alarm. Oh, cool. Here's twelve ninety nine at Walmart <laughs> for a digital <laughs> clock. So that excuse is out the door. Um, but it's really hard. With our young girls, six and four, they will not get phones. Like, you know, we got a long time and obviously, you know, maybe things will change. But we gave Chase the phone when he turned 12. Okay. He's had it for right. three years. I wish that we had waited longer. Right. And it's hard, harder and harder to wait because that's how people communicate now. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a battle. Thanks, Jen. Yep. See you guys.